Hello, beautiful. I'm your host, Samantha Roberto, and I want to thank you for joining the conversation. We are a space of women empowering women, and each week we dive into authentic and vulnerable stories with our guests because we believe it's important to have these conversations to learn and grow from one another. So subscribe to get your weekly dose of inspiration. First off, I have to apologize because I know my voice is super raspy. Sounds like I'm sick, but I'm actually going through a biological upgrade. I just came off of a week-long advanced Joe Dispenza workshop, and it's common afterwards that you go through different symptoms because it's actually your body detoxifying. So even though right now in the moment I sound horrible, I feel great because my body's upgrading to my new healthier self. Today, I'm chatting with Jill Rich. So Jill and I synchronistically met when I was at a Brendan Bouchard conference in San Diego a few months back. We weren't even at the same conference, but fate brought us together. Jill has an incredible story that I know can help a lot of women who may be in similar shoes. She experienced massive success in the corporate world, all the while while being a mom to two young boys. The only thing is, the pressure of work and not living in alignment caused her to reach her breaking point, doing the unthinkable before waking up to what really was going on. Jill is here to share exactly what she did to turn her life around and is now on a 2020 mission to make vulnerability sexy. I love it. So keep listening because you are going to love this episode too. Let's get to it. I was in a senior corporate leadership role for a big global bank. It's so funny when I look back at that version of me, I think, who is that person? But you know, when I was a little girl, it's not who I wanted to be. When I was a little girl, I wanted to be entertaining people, making people feel good. And again, I was raised by a single mom and she worked three jobs and she is just the most amazing person, but very safe right? And protect yourself, get a job in a bank because that's deemed as, in inverted commas, a good job. And honestly, at school, I was not the most academic, Samantha. I was definitely one of the kids that had their head in the clouds. I was a dreamer. I loved acting. I loved, you know, all of the entertainment side. But being from a small town, my mum was like, you know, that's not in the cards for you. You know, you know, you just have to really stick in at school and get a real job. I figured that I wasn't the most academic, but I was really good with people. I loved spending time getting to know people. And even as a little girl, I always saw something special in everyone. And that sounds really cliche and cheesy, but I did. Like I always saw something behind the mask and mm. everyone And as a kid, I remember my mum saying, God, every other day you would bring, like she used to say, I used to bring in waifs and strays. Like I used to bring in all of the kids that never had much. And I would like be like, you're my friend and I wanted to help people. And so that was my personality. It was just this, you know, I loved getting to know people and I saw something special in everyone. So when I started sort of exploring work, you know, I left school, I started exploring what kind of job I wanted, and it was always going to be with people. And I got into a sales type job. I just progressed really, really quickly. Like at the age of 19, I sort of got, you know, a manager's job really, really quickly. And obviously that made my mom proud because she was like, you know, oh yes, you've made it. You know, you're a manager <laughs> in a bank. And, um, And then at 21, you know, I was in charge of a huge 
huge branch, which was like a, a banking branch and there was 80 staff. And at 21 years old, that was kind of never heard of. And I used to look back and think, how did I get here? How did I get here? And I think the reason I got there is again, because I got to know the staff really, really well. And I took people on that journey and I always had a vision of success as a group, not just one individual. Mm. So I promoted again, 21, 24, and I just got successful very quickly. But I was always really scared, Samantha, because I thought someone is going to tap me on the shoulder and be like, how did you get this job? Like, how did you get this really powerful, responsible, successful job? Because honestly, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Like, did not have a clue. And I would look at people who were so intelligent in that business and think, oh God, you know, I had total imposter syndrome. Again, I just used to wing it. And then I, I went off and had my first little boy. And things started to really change for me because... I was a mom and because this, I was used to having this success with that success and a corporate role, it comes with a lot of pressure, you know, so yes, you get well paid, but the hours that I was working, I was working those 60, 70 hours a week. And when I went back after maternity leave, I went back early. I mean, my little boy was only, you know, six months old and I went back and I felt like I had to completely do all of those working hours and still be a mum, you know, be the perfect mum, have everything ready, don't drop the ball on anything. And I put this pressure on myself, but in that environment in corporate, you're definitely at that level, the pressure is unbelievable. And, and being a new mom too, it's like, there's so much on your plate. And I like how you mentioned imposter syndrome because so many people I feel, feel that. I mean, it's just such a common thing to feel. You, you never really know what you're doing, but you just do it. But yes. on the outside, it looks like the perfect little package. Oh and it's God. like, Jill's got it all figured out. Yeah. It's so, it's so relatable. Oh my so, God. Yeah. I didn't have it figured out, but I actually convinced myself I did. You know, then I went off and had my second little boy and that's when everything just went south. Like I started to just really crumble because I not only I couldn't do the hours that I was doing, I didn't want to. Imposter syndrome. I remember going back after maternity leave and thinking, God, I don't even know my name. Like, I don't know who I am anymore. I was so paranoid. I was thinking that everyone was talking about me. I was like, you know, they think I can't cope and they won't give me these, you know, responsibilities anymore. And do you know, the truth is, Samantha, I think mm. they did think that, you know, although I was paranoid, I think there was an element of my intuition was really spot on. Because in the world where I was, it was very cutthroat. And, you know, they expected an awful lot um, from so many people, including myself. And during that period, my mum was diagnosed with terminal cancer as well. And there was just so much going on. But I felt again that I, because I was always a strong, big personality, I've got a huge personality. I felt like I couldn't tell anyone how I was feeling because you know, I'm very close to my sister. There was a lot going on with the family and the kids and, and work. I didn't feel like I had an ally there. I just mm. felt like I couldn't say to anyone how, how much I was breaking inside. Like I was really crumbling. And for about two years, I didn't sleep. I literally did not sleep. That, what does that look like? Right. So that looked like falling asleep at maybe midnight and waking up at 3am for about two mm. years. 
Now, my kids, I couldn't even use them as the excuse. They were good sleepers. They actually slept. <laughs> it was me. I was wired and wired as in like my, I was all up in my head. Yeah. And I just, I was, I used to go to like, we had a 24 hour gym near us and I used to go to the gym at like 3am thinking that was normal. And when I look back and I'm like, that's not normal behavior. You know, I was controlling with food because I felt like I couldn't control anything else in my life. So I would obsess over exercise and obsess over food and, you know, everything that I could control, I would go to the nth degree to try and control it because I felt like everything else in my world was crumbling. But to the outside world, people that didn't know, they were thinking, she's got the perfect life. It was a pretty little package. Mm-hmm. You know, I really appreciate you opening up and sharing this because I do really feel like there's so many people out there who feel that pressure of keeping that package together, mm-hmm. yet inside it's like you're suffocating yep. or it's just like a tornado or you just, mm-hmm. you just, there's, you don't have a grip. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was heavy. So what, so what did you do? How did that? So as I say, this went on for about two years and do you know what I used to do again I didn't want to go to the doctor and ask for help. So I used to steal my mum's medication, my mum's sleeping tablets. And I used to, I did Um, that for about a year and um, I didn't tell anyone. I mean, I used to go in and I was like, I'm so ashamed. So I would just steal it and take these medication just to try and, but they were like kind of sort of antidepressants slash sleeping tablets. They were just supposed to chill you out. Yeah. So it was, um, Oh gosh, I can't even remember the name of them. And I should know because I took them for about a year. I used to have a hidden stash in my cupboard. And um, I used to, and I started sort of drinking a lot as well, drinking a lot of alcohol. So I would come home literally from work and I would just pour a glass of wine. That was my go-to thing. And this went on again for a few years. And I would say, I wouldn't say I was an alcoholic, but I would say when I look back on reflection at that point, I was definitely dependent on it. It became a habit. And because I did it so much, it just became a habit. Like I would be driving home crying 90% of the time and compose myself in the car before I got out of the car and went in to see the kids. And then I would literally not even be present with the kids. I would be like there in in body, but not anywhere else. And then I would just be like, get them to bed. And I just rushed it. I just rushed their life away. It was like, I need to get them to bed because I need to put the laptop back on and Mm. do more work and have wine. And it just became a little bit like wine and then one of those tablets to try and chill me out. So did anybody around you talk to you or see, or did anybody say like, did you, were you, do you have a partner? Uh, Yeah, I do. I do. And I think, you know, not that I am generalizing men, but I think he really struggled, but he didn't know how to speak to me about it. I was never an angry person. I was never a, you know, I never argued with him or anything. There wasn't like arguing, but there was always empty bottles of wine out the back, you know, in our back garden, we had like a bottle sort of bin type thing, trash bin. Yeah. And, um, you know, he would go out to the bin and he would make a joke and say, oh, it's like a bottle bank out here. And I used to just obviously as in like, are you drinking again? And and then he would say, you know, I'm having another wine. And I used to just be like, oh, shut up, you know, shut yeah. up. I mean, I would literally do that because I thought I need it to get me to sleep. I need to just feel a little bit relaxed and it relaxed me. But knowing what I know now, 
I mean, I don't even really drink now at all. But at that point, I was like, you couldn't have told me because I didn't think I had a problem with alcohol. It was just the way I, I, I felt like I didn't want to let anyone in. I felt really ashamed. You know, I didn't think I had an alcohol problem, but I felt ashamed of how I was probably feeling inside and you know having my beautiful little boys who were so little you know at that point like they were only two and four so they were so small right and I thought I've got this beautiful home that I live in we've got beautiful cars we go these nice holidays and yet I feel like I remember rating my life at that point and thinking three out of ten that's how I felt mm. three out of ten and it was just shameful at the time, you know, I thought, God, and I felt really like protective of myself. You know, I don't want to tell anyone because what will they think of me? Yeah. And it's like your whole life, you know, getting the job, doing this was built around, there was something deeper within that needed work, but there are all these layers on oh. top of it that were layer, 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 until you felt like there was literally no space, but there must've been a catalyst moment. Yeah. What was your... So what was your catalyst moment that I want to say woke you up? The catalyst moment, I remember driving um, my my boss, (laughs) she was mad. Like she used to phone me at like 7am screaming down the phone about something. They just, I mean, that was the environment I was in. They would scream, swear, shout at you. And it was just like you were a punching bag for people constantly. I remember trying to get the kids into nursery and I got in the car and she she phoned me and I'm like trying to get them in the car and I'm saying to her and she's screaming down the phone at me and I hangs up the phone and I jumped in the car and I felt like I was going to scream like but you know I obviously didn't want to do that I turned the ignition on I started driving and my little boy who's four he sneezed and he had like a snot attack as kids do and I screamed and I slammed the brakes on Right, and this is this still upsets me to this day, although I've made peace yeah. with it. I slammed the brakes on and he went flying. I hadn't even strapped them in the car. I hadn't even buckled them up. Uh-huh. I just threw them in the car because I was so consumed with bullshit at work. And I started crying. That was it. I broke down. I started crying in front of them. They were crying. I'm like, oh, this is it. This is it. I cannot do this anymore. You know, my mum at that point was going through some extensive radiotherapy. She was so poorly. And I just thought, what am I doing? These people would replace me in a heartbeat at work. And I am wishing my life away and wishing my children's life away. For what? You know, an, an income that, you know, I'd rather have, at that point, I'd have rather, you know, had no money and feel present and happy in myself than feel the way I was feeling. And that was it. That was the turning point for me. To, I need to get out. I took a few weeks off work. I never had done that before. You know, I've been off, ever been off with stress. I wasn't want to be one of those people that needed to go off with stress. I had a headcount of 350 people that I looked after. It was huge. And I was like, I cannot go off. But I did. I just went off. And I had like almost a month off. And that was my turning point. I started really getting into meditation and my life completely changed after that. Mm. So this is going back a couple of years now? Two years, two years, just two years. Two years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because I see you now and even when I met you, it's like, actually, we met meditating. We were in San Diego. You were sitting on the ground with a group of people meditating and someone called me over and I'm like, okay, this is my jam. So we actually met within that space. 
And I know the funniest story about that is I was not supposed to be there that day. I was actually at another intensive, um, Rich Litvin's intensive, and I decided to take a walk and I went in and I was like, oh God, there's, you know, there's a seminar on in here. Let's have a little look around. And that guy, he said, come and meditate with me. And I thought, ah, why not? You know, again, like you, I'm like, that's my jam. And it was just him and I. And when I opened my eyes, I saw you right across from me and I was drawn to you. And I'm like, I need to speak to her. There's always something bigger. I think Mm. when you go into a situation like that, the universe has a bigger plan for us. Totally. And it's a matter of listening. So when, you know, that guy says, or when that door is open and it's like, okay, you're going to walk through it, just go in and say, well, why not? What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And then it's so cool to be able to now look back and connect those dots because mm-hmm. life is always giving us gifts as long as you're open to seeing them. They're everywhere. So what, tell me about the work that you're doing now. Cause I think it's really, it's really interesting. Yeah. So again, this for me is a complete, I was probably the worst version of myself two years ago and now I'm the best version of myself, but I'm growing and learning every day. So I, when I took that time off work, I got into meditation. I went, actually went to the doctor and he wanted to prescribe me my own medication. And I said, you know what? No, I'm going to work this out myself. And I read a book called The Secret. Everyone probably that listens to your podcast will know about The Secret. And then I read a book by a guy called Halle Elrod called The Miracle Morning. Um, And it was all about having a morning ritual. And I read this book thinking, well, you know, all of these thousands of people that this has worked for, if it works for them, why not me? You know, I was so conditioned into believing it was woo-woo, it was nonsense. And I thought, well, do you know what? I believe in me, so I'm going to give it a shot. And so quickly things started manifesting for me. You know, I, I took to, it was almost like, again, it sounds really cliche, but it was like, it was my calling. It was like a veil lifted literally within a week of me meditating. I just got so into this and started manifesting things. I manifested a redundancy at work. So redundancy came up when I was off for that month and I was given the opportunity to leave work with a check. So that was amazing. And I was then offered another corporate job, but I thought, do you know what? And it was more money and I thought I'm not doing it. And it was such a scary moment because I was at that fork in the road and I could see in one direction that I could move into corporate, another corporate role with more money, but with more money comes more shit, right? And I then looked at this little taste and I'd only been doing this sort of inner work for a month, but I looked at that other fork in the road and I thought, know this path you know I don't know what's on that path but I know I need to be there and I know if I push past fear you know the universe is going to really reward me Mm -hmm. and I did and within four months I'd replaced my old corporate income doing the work I'm doing that's how quick it happened wow you couldn't let fear hold you back because if you did you would have gone the other way and been back in corporate yeah, maybe in a straight jacket. <laughs> and probably, <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you're not. <laughs> I mean, the position you have right now to be able to serve and yeah. people out in the world through example and through sharing your story is, it's really a gift. Everything you've gone through is mm-hmm. really been a gift for this in this moment and everything that, that is up ahead. Without a shadow of a doubt, I am so grateful for every single challenge that I had, you know, with my mum and everything, what I'm discovering even in myself, even over the last few months, 
you know, the challenges that I face personally, it's incredible because what happens is when I go there, when you talked about layers and layers and layers, I talk about, you know, there's surface level manifestation and then there's seven layers deep. And what I do when I work with clients is take them out of the surface level stuff, really drop in, drop into the soul, drop into the heart space, come out of the head because that is your truth. You know, what is holding you back? And I think if I hadn't experienced everything that I experienced, I would not be able to do what I'm doing and help the people that I'm helping now. I have received the most amazing, you know, letters from people, emails and messages from people saying that what the work I've done with them has saved their life, not just changed their life, but saved their life. And I've been in tears. I'm like, you know, when you're in that place of gratitude for those people coming into your life that you can save and help and transform I want to keep showing up for people and be that beacon of light and energy for people and give them that hope that actually Mm. no matter where you are in your life what age you are what stage you are at of your life that is not your story and it doesn't have to be and by doing that by doing the work it's a ripple effect because by them doing the work and showing up better they're showing up better for their partners their children their co-workers and it's sort of it really is a ripple of change mm-hmm. oh my goodness without a doubt it does because that that there's a saying isn't there someone can feel your energy from up to 10 feet away without them even speaking i have done so much energy deep healing and energy work you know, I, I carried stuff that I didn't even realize, even around, you know, my relationship with my partner around intimacy, coming from a single parent family, I was brought up really, really well to be a strong, independent woman. But again, that came almost at a small price because I had this real protection of myself not to be vulnerable in front yeah. of men in particular. And I've really had to work on that too and allow myself to figure out where did that actually come from? Whose story was that? And actually, Mm. you know, let's peel that right back and let that emotion go and create space for for the new story that I want to create. So with it, I'm curious because you do shadow work as well. Mm -hmm. This this is about the shadow work Mm -hmm. that you're doing. Can you explain? Because shadow work is a term that a lot of people might hear but not really know what it is. So can you just explain what that is? Yeah, so shadow work for me... I am such a straight talker. And for me, I think you'll hear a lot of people saying, you know, don't judge people. Judgment is this and that and the next thing, right? But we all judge. We all do it. And for me, I really encourage people to go into the shadow part of themselves because we've all got shadows. The shadow part is essentially the part that we're not supposed to have. We're not supposed to be angry. We're not supposed to be judgmental. And we're not supposed to feel all those dark nasty thoughts the reason that people struggle with a lot in in different parts of their life is because they believe it's bad to feel those things so when that feeling comes up you label that as a bad thing as a bad feeling but actually what happens is if you just allow yourself to love all sides of yourself because a lot of the shadow self can protect us can protect us from a lot of things that we maybe don't want in our life it's not a bad thing the reason it can manifest into a bad and a very commas thing is because we embrace none of it. It almost bubbles up inside over years and over years. And then we just either erupt and go yeah. absolutely batshit crazy <laughs> or we get ill. We get yeah. ill and we don't know why. But often it's because we're not allowing ourselves to feel 
any kind of natural emotion. Whoever created this rule that laughing's okay, but crying is not, crying is weak. And it's funny because we were born crying, just like we were born naked, but so many of us are ashamed of our bodies and we don't want to get them out. They're the two things that we were born with, naked and crying. I encourage people to go into, how do you feel? Do you feel pissed off? Do you feel angry about that's okay? Sit with that emotion. And if you allow yourself to, you know, shine light, on the shadow self. What is this really telling me here? Know that it's okay to feel judgment, to feel angry and to feel upset, but don't let it then consume you. Is this my truth or is this just an emotion? If it's just an emotion, send it love, accept it, feel it and let it go. Don't suppress it because suppression creates anger um, and then creates more judgment. And then we're just being a fake version of ourselves because that's not who we are. Well, what happens too is that you know, you're angry about one thing, but it comes out in different ways. But there's this root of something, but then it comes out there, 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 like you and, you know, your example with the children. It's like, you're so frustrated at work, but then it ends up taking out that way. And that's what sort of what happens. But I mean, no matter where you are, where if you're listening in this journey, you are where you're supposed to be. And it's okay that there's lessons in your past to this moment, but this is the gift where you can start doing the work, start asking yourself the inquisitive questions, journal about it, see where it goes, dive in a little bit deeper. I think it doesn't help, you know, love it or loathe it. Social media is not going anywhere fast. And for me, you know, you see a highlight reel on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is, And you look at someone and you think they, oh my God, you know, they're so happy. They've got all their shit together. And then what does that do? It makes you feel like when you get annoyed or you're maybe not feeling so good about yourself for five minutes, that comparison completely comes in. And then you start thinking, it's me, you know, the only one feeling like this because everyone on social media feels great, but they don't. No one has their shit together 100% of the time. (laughs) But we see a highlight reel and we think that that is real life. It's not. It absolutely isn't. And I think we've been taught and conditioned that vulnerability is a bad thing. And for me, my mission in 2020 is to make vulnerability sexy. Like, Mm. sexy, vulnerability, make it sexy. Because someone once made a rule up that it's a weakness. Like, let's turn that around and say, vulnerability is sexy because it's how we heal. It's how we move forward. And it's how we create an abundance of amazing things in our life by suppressing vulnerability number one you get ill and number two you're blocking amazing things coming into your life fact yeah fact and I just want more people I'm not saying that it needs to you know social media needs to be a sea of everyone being depressed but actually I just think even if people embraced a little bit of their vulnerability then it would heal the ripple effect it has because if good energy has a ripple effect bracing vulnerability and saying you know what this is actually cool it's gonna heal and create such a movement in 2020 samantha i'm so passionate about this you just see the shifts in your life and you see how quickly things change i know it can feel scary at the moment to be vulnerable but on the other side of that is so much beauty that is where your life begins because when people don't do it you know i often say to clients well how's that working out for you right now oh it's not Exactly. And the breakthroughs, I know, and you will know this too from the work that you've done, the amount of clients that I work with and take them to that space, it's life-changing. It's life-changing just to own, because that vulnerability, you're not inviting in something that's not already there. It's already there, only it's stuck. Guess what? 
to let it go, you need to feel it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'll release it because right now there's no space, right? So you're some yeah. of you listening, you might be thinking, yeah, totally that resonates. But you know, what if I'm judged? And what if, if they're judging you, they're judging themselves. It's mirroring back to them the fact that number one, they maybe are too scared to be vulnerable themselves and things that they maybe need to work on in themselves. And it's not your job to make anyone else feel better, but own your truth, own your vulnerability. Because when you push past fear and step into your vulnerability, it's not scary. It's not scary at all. It's so transformational and healing. What's scary is staying stuck in a place where you are unfulfilled and perhaps like I was two years ago, living a level three life. It's your birthright to have a 10 and more. One thing, because this is, you know, it's, it's around the holidays. The holidays are, you know, a great time. There's a lot of good things going on, but the holidays can also be a hard time for a lot of people. Different things come up, whether it's grief, money stuff, family things, forgiveness. What is something, a message that you could share for this time of year, especially emotional time of the year, to anybody listening who's having a bit of a difficult time with it? Okay. And this actually really resonates with me, Samantha. So I always, until not that long ago, uh, really suffered at this time of year. So have you ever heard of the SAD syndrome, seasonal affective disorder? A lot of people claim to, to have seasonal affective disorder. It's something that I thought I had, but now I know actually, I think that we've just got a motion that we need to, we've been suppressing for so long that it's just showing up at that time of the year. So, but that's another podcast altogether. But um, for someone who like me who suffered with this, I never ever really realized why I did, but round about November, right through to February, I always felt really low. It was for a number of things. For anyone going through, if it's grief, you know, any trauma, around this loneliness, I would encourage you to have your morning ritual. For anyone who sort of is on social media, often the thing that we do is when we wake up in the morning, we grab our phone and we'll often just sit and scroll through social media for 10 minutes. And I hear from people that say, you know, I just grab that phone and it's in, I think I'll just check social media for the next 10 minutes until I come to, until I wake up and then I'll get up and I'll go on with my day. Do not check your phone first thing in the morning. Because what you would never invite 300 people into your bedroom as soon as you opened your eyes in the morning to offload crap to you, right? You would never invite them into your home, into your bedroom. So why would you do that and invite that into your mind in the morning? Because when you're going on social media and you're scrolling, even if it's positive stories, um, no matter what it is, you are inviting someone else's story into your mind. And that's the first thing that you're taking on board before you've even had a chance to think about how you feel you're taking on someone else's cap so number one don't do that keep your phone in flight mode until you have got up and done your morning ritual so if that is perhaps meditating in the morning so if you're a beginner at meditation or you're someone who meditates already give yourself that space and practice meditation we're not going to nail it sometimes I sit and I meditate for an hour and there's other times I sit for 10 minutes and I'm all over the place but that's okay give yourself permission to to show up but set an intention that every morning you're going to do your morning ritual before you look at social media and really be honest like ask yourself the question you know ask your mind what are you trying to tell me what is this thought what what are these thoughts that are coming up why do I feel the way I'm feeling the first thing that you'll write down is I don't know and that's okay but just write down why don't I know I know it comes from somewhere and as you start you know your first paragraph might be a little rubbish but then the answers come because you have the answers already Sam and I talk like seven 
seven layers deep? The answers are all within you. You just need to give yourself space. Come out of your overthinking mind. And if you've been on social media, that thinking mind's going all over the place. So you need a clear mind when you're doing this. So meditation, journaling, a, a little bit of exercise, and then start your start your working tight day. But you've got to show up for yourself. You've got to put yourself as a priority. You are the most important person on this planet because if you are not functioning to your optimum, then no one, and I mean no one else, is getting the benefit of you. Make the commitment you every single day. The answers will come. And in terms of anyone who's going through grief and forgiveness, me too. You know, my dad actually passed away two weeks ago. Mm, so I'm so sorry. No, you know, it's a funny, I say funny, not like funny haha. It's a, it's a strange one because, you know, as I alluded to earlier, you know, we didn't have a relationship with my dad. We mm. come from a single mum my mum raised us and my dad had nothing to do with us he made you know his decision he was a bit of a wild guy in his day and he you know he couldn't really handle the responsibility of two children and there was a lot of regret from his part and when he was on his deathbed he asked Chile my sister and I I'm, I'm we went to see him and I hadn't seen him for I'd maybe seen him twice in 30 years Wow. Yeah. So we went into the room. He was on his deathbed. He was conscious, but he was had tubes all coming out of him. And we held his hand and we gave him our our unconditional love and forgiveness. Because on this journey, if it's taught me anything, it is to forgive. What he did was never cool. And when we forgive, we're not saying what you did to me. This is for anyone who is going through a breakup because this is quite a, a time that people struggle in relationships, hold on to resentment towards people at this time of year. When you forgive someone, you're never saying what they did to you was cool or was okay. But what you're saying is I release myself from the attachment to this mm -hmm. situation and go in peace because he was crying and we, you know, we cried too. He missed out on so much. I've lived a good life, but I'd lie if I said it never affected me with intimacy, with relationships, with men and holding back a lot, which again, I never realized. Again, it's helped me because it helps me allow me to show up for clients who have trouble with intimacy too and everything for me is a blessing forgiveness is key that especially at this time of year be at peace when you're holding on to resentment pain trauma anger you are letting a little bit of yourself be covered in darkness every single time you all deserve to feel incredible like that is your birthright you weren't born yeah. you weren't born with the trauma and the condition and this is all stuff that we pick up right think about your inner child this is for everyone you know what did you want to be when you were a kid who is that inner child who was that child before the conditioning before the trauma and before the sadness she still lives or he still lives in you she's still there you know when you go into meditation go in and you know journal on that inner child you know what does she want what does she need and bring her out because you can create anything that you want but you need to be able to let go of crap and forgive. And I mean, we still are the inner child. It's all just different perspective, different stages. If you were to look back at the 18-year-old you, you're looking back at sort of the child or you're looking back yeah. at the younger version. If you were you know, 80, looking back at this yeah. version of you right now, you'd have so much love and compassion for yeah. this girl yeah. at this moment. We need to be able to embrace that and have that love and compassion for that person right now and release. Like you said, give yourself the gift of releasing. Yeah, and make your gift for Christmas. Make, make that, that your gift for Christmas. Christmas. I absolutely mm -hmm. love it. I really honor you for coming on here and sharing all of your experience oh, uh, so openly. You. 
I know I'm very honest you know I used to hold back all the time and think I had to be corporate Jill family Jill mum Jill but now I'm just all Jill and I'm just me and I will never ever change all about own your truth because it's you it makes you you and you are beautiful you are unique you are special over seven billion people in the world right you would not want to be like someone else own your greatness speak your truth you know love Um, yourself so if anybody wants to reach out or find you or where can they do that instagram i my handle is at just jill coaching so it's jill with a j facebook so jill ritchie um life coach and you can also get me on my website so www.jill-ritchie.com Thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, let us know. I'll post a link to Jill in the show notes. And remember, today can be the first day of the rest of your life. Screenshot and tag the Hello Beautiful podcast and Just Jill Coaching to let us know your takeaways. Lastly, we release weekly episodes. So remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on next week's amazing conversation. Until then, keep being you, be beautiful. Be beautiful.